Quantum Conversations, your portal to the inner realms. Access infinite possibilities, infinite mastery, and infinite love. Mind-expanding, heart-opening conversations with some of the greatest spiritual teachers, luminaries, and healers of today's world. Usher in new earth by living in your sacred heart. Quantum Conversations is brought to you by AcousticHealth.com, home of music from the universe, online healing retreats, and this program. Claim your free registration to daily shows at AcousticHealth.com. AcousticHealth.com, your portal to the inner realms. Our program starts shortly. Welcome to another Quantum Conversation, brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and I invite you to sit back as we enter the Quantum Realm, that space of the greater part of you. It is your connection to infinite possibilities, infinite potential, and infinite mastery. And in today's episode, we are talking about Christ Consciousness and an inward journey where we know that which we know within ourself. My guest today has been studying consciousness for a long while, and he is a brilliant teacher in consciousness. He's here to share his story of an inward journey that led him into incredible skills of intuition and looking into another person's energy field. Christo Bowers is with us once again for a quantum conversation. Christo, welcome back to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Laurent. Thank you. It's good to be back. It is lovely to be in this space with you again. We absolutely love the work that you do, and we're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to experience a meditation with you as well where we can journey in to make this connection with ourselves on a very deep level. It really is where we go quantum, and it really is the unified field and it involves Christ consciousness. So as we start today, on your journey and through your journey of meditation and, and going inward, how do you describe Christ consciousness? You know, I, I think that I, I describe Christ consciousness as a a recognition of our underlying unity. Uh, it's a recognition of our oneness. Mm-hmm. Of all that is there, of this great union that is there. Mm-hmm. And so you assist people in achieving this. What keeps people from accessing this Christ consciousness when you look into their energy field? You know, there are, I, I think that what happens is that our our evolution is something that takes 
an incredible amount of time to actually facilitate uh, in most cases. So it's a, it's a very slow process. And I think that what happens is that, you know, one, we have to deal with the forces of evolution at work and the limitations that are inherent in the development of our extrasensory perception. Uh, for instance, you know, even to, to look at the, the idea of the development of clairvoyance, which would give us visual input or visual data pertaining to the development of consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that humanity is on the cusp of developing that uh, that ability to be able to see it on those levels of consciousness or see into those levels of consciousness. But since right now our consciousness is restricted to our five senses, that essentially shuts us off from perceiving or becoming aware of Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so we hear stories. Some people get hit by lightning, really, in, in, a, in a real way, the physical lightning bolt, and have a great awakening. And others actually have an experience of a lightning bolt in their meditation. And others have gone through um, a, a, a dark night of the soul where they maybe were visited. And so to hear you say that it is a development, it kind of makes it normal. And it makes us give ourselves a break for not having these supreme um, rapid awakenings, would you call it? You have said it, it develops over time. And so we can do this through the, the, the most common way. And we hear it, I believe, in every show. And that is with meditation. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Or maybe about the rapid awakenings that some people experience. Well, I, I think that they're both related. You know, the, the rapid awakenings that I see are normally a result of uh, spiritual practice. So okay. for some people, it may be mantra. For other people, it may be meditation. For others, it may be kirtan. But there there's some, or, or even prayer. You know, I see a lot of people awakening through spiritual practice. And mm -hmm. it seems like the chief one of these is meditation. And what's really interesting is to understand the relationship between uh, certain exercises or practices in the development of the intuition. So what I find to be, what I find to happen is that people who meditate, they, they generally meditate on God or they meditate on oneness or they meditate on humanity, which begins to move them into a Christ consciousness or an awareness of the underlying light or unified field that connects everything together. So people who meditate, their crown chakra opens, which gives them the ability to receive information claircognizantly. And for, for people who are listening, you know, we've, we've had, generally we've had the experience of just receiving spontaneous information uh, come in like a bolt of lightning. I think a, a lot of New Age people refer to it as a download. Oh, I received a download when I was meditating mm -hmm. the other day. Mm -hmm. So what's happening on a mass scale 
especially because of the prevalence of meditation, we are having a mass awakening of the power of clear cognizance, which moves us into the intuitional plane, or it gives us the ability to receive information intuitionally. And, and that's starting to make a, a, a really profound shift in human consciousness at this time. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. It is really beautiful, yeah. and, it, and it's very promising. It's very promising. Well, I think it's really incredible because what I have found is that the process of meditation awakens the crown center, uh, and then it awakens the ability to receive information into our consciousness. And if you if you think of it in terms of mind, so the individual mind then becomes capable of receiving information from the universal mind. And in that process, it begins to download uh, ideas, patterns, images, and relationships that exist in universal consciousness which begins then the, the slow, what I'm going to call the slow process of incarnating what some people call heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. Mm. If we can just get quiet enough to receive it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Really that we are the bridge then. And so we'll talk about this again on this show. That's why most of us listening to a program like this are well aware that, you know, when we tune into the news or the outside world, we could literally feel ourselves getting pulled away from that. And so just to come back into ourself, into this meditation, to receive those ideas and patterns. And when we get into a beautiful practice like this, that information is given to us. Now, you talk a lot about how your inward journey took you into this development of your intuition. What was that like for you? Because I know some of us, maybe we get those hunches, but we don't trust it. And then we're given an experience where (laughs) we have a clear awareness that we should have relied on what the information was coming, right? So this doesn't have to be difficult. But what was that process like for you to develop that intuition? You know, I, I'm going to say that it's, it was a really strange process for me. You know, I had read about the intuition, of course, uh, in my early studies, beginning at around age 16. But... But when I, once I began the practice of meditation two to three years later, I, I, I had undertaken the process of meditation with the intention of developing psychic abilities. And then at some point I forgot that I was attempting to develop psychic abilities and I was just practicing meditation for the sake of meditation. In 2007, which was roughly nine years after I began the process of meditation, I was teaching meditation publicly as a form of service. Uh, It was during that period of time when I would get spontaneous information about the people who came and sat down with me in meditation. And at that point in time, I uh, I felt encouraged to share the information that I received, even though I had no idea how the information came into my mind 
I had no idea why I felt compelled to share it. It mm. was just the spontaneous appearance of information and then being somehow internally compelled to to say to the person, look, I, I got some information that I, I feel compelled to share with you, do you mind? So I, I would share the information that I received through meditation with them as I talked in meditation. And they, even though I didn't trust the information that came through because I had no basis for that, I would share the information with them and they would oftentimes be deeply surprised and moved by what I shared with them and how accurate it was. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes these people would bring their brothers or their sisters or their friends back to see me. And so then I would meditate with them and I would share information. And in this way, uh, especially over the course of three years of doing this, I really learned to trust the information that was coming through. So it even it even seems like three years was a really long time. And I can give you an example uh, of a couple times when information came through that I didn't trust it, but then mm-hmm. the person that I was uh, talking with was able to confirm for me uh, what the information I was getting. Do you want to yes. share a story with you? Oh, please do. That really helps us um, witness it. So go ahead. You know, there there was a point in time where I I spontaneously began to see the eighth and ninth chakras. Uh, above the heads of people. And this was a spontaneous opening for me. Uh, Just one day I woke up and I saw an orange sphere and a violet sphere floating above the heads of everybody, even myself, strangely enough, in my mind's eye. And uh, it was at that that time that I uh, was listening to the work of Carolyn Mays where she mentioned the eighth chakra and that there are archetypes there. And so... I began an exploration of the eighth and ninth chakras, and there's a there's a line of energy connecting them that that represents a certain archetypal energy. So I, I began to explore this as well, and I was doing some work at a it's like a little mini psychic fair, and I had people who were coming up to me asking for readings, and this is one of the things that I was exploring at the time and one of the things that I was sharing with people who came to see me. And so uh, I was talking with a woman about one of the architects that I saw in her field. Uh, in fact, she had the architect of the one, I think, who likes her teeth. <laughs> and I know that may sound like a strange he likes her teeth, I okay. <laughs> likes her teeth. Yeah, yeah. It's, because if you read the works of Carl Jung, Jung states that he believes that there's an archetype for every form of human activity. Okay. And so you could say that humanity is, is built to uh, express these archetypes because they are kind of like programs that people run that define consciousness and, and help us accumulate experiences. So this woman had the archetype of the one who likes her teeth or likes her smile. And she she said, yes, I do like my teeth. I do like, I'm always looking at my teeth. And so this tends to be the reaction that people have when it comes to their archetypes. They can easily identify them. And as I was talking with her, she said, I wonder what my husband's primary archetype is. And I, I looked, I said, give me a moment. And I, and I looked at his field and what I saw. Uh, and I was seen primarily in symbols at this point in time. But what I saw was somebody sitting in an airplane uh, with a machine gun basically shooting other people. Okay, 
And I'm like, wow, that's not, I, you know, I'm probably seeing something that's wrong here. And so I looked around for something else, and I can't remember what that is at this time, but I, I, I gave that one to her instead. I said, well, I think his primary archetype is X. And she said, well, that doesn't really sound like my husband. My husband is actually a gunner in the military. Oh, uh-huh. You overrode. And I overrode. <laughs> exactly. And that wow. was the last time that I overrode what I saw. Mm-hmm. And it was also one of the one of the last times that I really needed to to really have full confidence in what I saw. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It's like being that. I'm like in and being correct in it, even though I didn't want to be correct. Or 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 judging it, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that would be a hard one to to swallow, right? But then it does make sense. So it kind of teaches you to take a step back and just share the info without judgment. Right. When I even still, when I read for people today, and if I don't understand something that's coming through, perhaps symbolically, I will say to them, "Look, this is the information that I'm getting." You know, that mm-hmm. way you can see or know exactly what I know. And, and that's helpful. They will be able, yeah, they'll be able to identify something that it doesn't make sense to me, like the guy, you know, the gunner, right, the the one who mm-hmm. is unfortunately shooting other people. Uh, but they're able to identify it. Yeah, it makes sense to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so I, I've learned to, like you said, don't judge, don't suppress what I see, just share it. Share it. That is, I just want to comment on how you were encouraged to share it. We hear this a lot. We hear that when we go to um, begin channeling, as we expand our consciousness and we're going down that road of spiritual practices, we are encouraged to share. For those who are working on contact, first contact, we are encouraged to share positive experiences or what we understand. And it happens more if we do share it. And I love that you followed the call of your heart to share it. And I wonder, I mean, and that that makes it also help the rest of us when we know that we should share our information because there's a hesitancy to share it. There's maybe a fear of caring what other people think, right? Maybe being made a fool. But I love how you, you began to share it and you began teaching meditation in service. And you didn't doubt yourself. You didn't say, who am I to teach meditation? You just began. Yeah, I, I think that there, it, it's really important to give back at some level, and I feel really strongly about that. And I felt like I had something through my experiences of meditation uh, important to share with other people, maybe a couple shortcuts, you know, or maybe to help people uh, get rid of false beliefs about meditation and its practice. You know, it's not about stopping your mind. You know, it's not about thought control. It's about observation or directing the mind. And then in terms of... Well, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I probably meet more people 
who have tried meditation and quit it because they couldn't stop their mind from generating thoughts. And it's it's really sad for me to see people give up the practice of meditation because of what I call wrong practice or erroneous practice. So whoever is out there propagating this notion that meditation means stopping your mind, that's not really the case. I think that's a really difficult meditation practice to begin with. And I think that even for advanced practitioners, it's a really difficult practice to master. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think of that practice as one of the least healthiest forms of meditation that one can undertake. So tell us how you would prefer to do it, to really steer our consciousness, to direct the mind, to connect with the higher self, to bring in information, to access downloads. You know, that's a, it's a really great question. I personally think that the, the, major, the major shift that occurred for me, the, the best shift that occurred to me in the practice of meditation was when I switched from, you know, trying to suppress the mind and, and thoughts from arising to the practices of vipassana. And vipassana is generally referred to as insight meditation. And really all it entails is sitting there with your thoughts and observing them as they arise. You know, at that point, you get to begin to see the mind and the objects or ideas that are carried in the mind. And I think that's a far more useful practice because you can begin to see your your dominant trains of thought, the ideas, the worries, the fears, mm-hmm. uh, the thought patterns that you've created over the course of your life. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it also gives you some mastery in terms of being able to concentrate or to direct the mind to some form of activity or a specific task. Uh, I think that we might refer to it as concentration. So sitting there attentive, waiting for thoughts to arise and observing them does build the ability to concentrate. Once concentration has been mastered to some degree, if you want to develop your intuition, you can begin to contemplate uh, God. That works really well for people. You know, one of my personal meditations that I still do today is I I will sit in meditation and I will direct my consciousness toward God and I will say something like, you know, what do you have to teach me? What do you have to show me? Mm. And I will sit there with the expectation that I'm going to receive some sort of content. And so it's like waiting for somebody to give you an answer, right? I mean, we've all had the conversation Mm -hmm. with somebody where we've shared some news and in, in that conversation where we, we wait for their response, right? It's kind of like proposing to somebody, will you marry me? And then you're waiting, right? So sitting in the space with God saying, you know, will you speak to me? And what is it that you have to say to me? Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. And that is the most important thing that we can do every day I call it the most important meeting with ourselves because we can ask those questions and we can be given the information. And so tell us, Christo, when you sit and contemplate God and ask, what do you, what do you have to show me? 
What are you shown? What what have been some of the experiences? You know, they they actually still vary quite a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. I I could be shown uh, places where I have invested my energy. Uh, you know, I I'm trying to think of something that I can reasonably share because what what happens is that anything that is seen in that space, especially as it pertains to your your own person, your own development, mm-hmm. is incredibly incredibly personal. Yes. Uh, uh, but you know, uh, one, in one of my meditations recently, uh, my my own childhood was not—I uh, would call it—not picturesque. Um, my father was a drinker. He was an, you know, he was physically assaultive. Uh, you know, not not a great place to be. Uh, so I I took that experience, and I instead of becoming the worst father. I wanted to become the best father possible, right? And I have mm-hmm. two children, one twelve, one five. And so, you know, I've invested a lot of care in my children. I've invested a lot of time being present and being nurturing and, you know, being the antithesis of my father. Mm-hmm. And so one day in meditation, I was saying, you know, God, what do you have to share with me? And, you know, I was shown that my you know, my own history with my father and then the reaction that I had to that relationship becoming hyper-focused on being, you know, father of the year, maybe father of the decade, kind of it represents an overuse or overextension of energy that really isn't as necessary as what I think it is. Yes. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for instance, you know, the, the truth is, and I and I'm pretty free free about this. And when I when I travel, and I do travel quite frequently to deliver lectures and workshops and classes. And I'll tell people I don't like to travel. You know, I don't like to be away from my family. I don't like to be away from my kids. But I I travel and I take time away because, I, I feel like my role here is to provide service, right? So if you go back to this idea of what what I was shown in meditation, it's that. I could reasonably take more time away from my children and spend it, you know, helping humanity take the next steps in its evolution. And that would be fine. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Because this is how we know what we know within us. And we have to trust in that. And that is developing intuition and really being the observer. And that is a beautiful practice and just one example of a myriad of ways that we are shown in meditation uh, solutions. We are inspired and we can take that action. And I think that's another key word too is, is to take action, inspired action on the information that is shown to us. And so that is very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But I think it's really important if we're going to ask to be instructed to be responsible or responsive to the instruction that we receive. And, you know, I I know that part of my role here is to travel and teach. I mean, I've, I've always seen that. 
And I do know that that's a part of what I'm here to do. And so to be in in service as me for my particular spiritual path and calling means to board a plane and go someplace else and to teach. So I know that that's, that's something that's intrinsic to my service. I know that each person has their own sacrifices that they make in their service. You know, I, I like with you, for instance, I'm certain that you've made sacrifices to be in service in the way that you are. Yes. I was just thinking about that myself. And and it is in service. You're right. It is in service. And the beautiful thing about your work, too, is with webinars and the technology, we don't have to hop on a plane anymore. You know, when when we went through, it was 2010, when was that Gulf oil volcano? I believe that was in 2010, and I was heavy in the heart and actually in despair, and I went into meditation actually just with a very heavy heart, and I heard one word. I was like, how can I be in service? <laughs> and I heard one word, and it was webinars. And I kept questioning it, going, really? How in the world am I going to help the world with webinars? And now I know it. Nine years later, I know so well um, what that role is. And it's it's a beautiful way to be in service. So here we are with this guidance that we have and also technology plus social media that is bringing the world together in miraculous ways. So I do think it's beautiful and it is very promising. And so the next step I I just want to share is how do we mobilize into unity consciousness? Really mobilize into unity consciousness. Really be it. Really live it. Really begin to share with others and assist others in creating new earth solutions. I'm interested in your comments on that. You know, I, I think that most of us are being called to some form of service to humanity at this point. And, you know, I think of each person <clears throat> and each crown chakra that suddenly snaps on, right? Now, I, I consider that a, a radio receiver. So when the crown chakra actually forms and becomes organized and uh, it the, it has rotary motion, which is really important. It begins to receive a signal, and that signal is the signal that's sent out from the universal consciousness. And what happens is that those of us, and I think this is really what's birthing the new age, is that there are so many people now who are re- basically receiving stations for what what I'm going to call here the word of God. Right, whatever that word is, and I think for each person, Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Do you, you think so? Hallelujah! Absolutely! Thank goodness! Beautiful! Yeah. Yeah. So as that energy, you know, as our individual minds become sensitized to ideas existing in the universal mind, mm-hmm. and as we're receiving downloads, humanity begins to shift. You know, and right now it may not exactly be that apparent on the ground level, you know, because right now it's like the, the thoughts that are steering humanity are shifting, and so they've not quite caught up yet at the physical level. 
but the thoughts are there, the energy is there that is beginning to drift into humanity, right? And as each one of us begin to actively take up our role and to perform our service according to the ideas that we've been inspired by or that we've downloaded from the universal consciousness, Mm-hmm. That's what moves humanity toward oneness. That's what uh, you know. I'm going to call it mid-course corrects. Yeah. Does that term? <laughs> yes, it does. Go ahead, explain that. We are correcting as we go. We're navigating this ship as we go, and it's all through love and experiences of love. But go ahead. Well, a lot of the ideas that are coming in are really about humanity's oneness. It's about a relationship to nature. And yeah. and so right now, the, the old paradigms that have been conditioned into our consciousness through our experience, you know, that's taking humanity in one direction. And now as these individuals are receiving these downloads and they begin to teach their material, right? They're teaching their ideas that they've been downloaded with. I, I mean, I'm I'm truly amazed by the number of people now who are channeling information and, yes. and that's because the crown chakra is open. When the crown chakra opens, people begin to channel, right? That's the download. So people are getting downloads that they're beginning to journal, then they're writing into classes, and they're delivering into workshops. Yes. And so you, you literally have this light which is beginning to flood consciousness from the universal mind with these ideas that are beginning to radiate out into the collective mind of humanity, which are changing which are essentially changing the course of uh, humanity's evolution, their relationship to one another, their relationship to nature, and even how we conduct ourselves in relationship to the world around us. You know, all of these things are being reorganized by the ideas that are filtering into the collective consciousness from the universal mind to the open crown chakra. Again, all of these things are driving us toward oneness. That is so promising, and that makes it so hopeful and worth it for all of us. Because, again, as we look out at, for example, where we continue to see the earth being abused, um, it's just, it makes it so hopeful that we are receiving the information and the new children that are arriving the millennials and all of us, no matter what generation we are in. We can be inspired with information and take action. So even though we may not see in, in the mainstream collective signs of, of good things, it is happening, right? So um, inspiration for compostable plastic or new solutions, things that are of humane organization instead of inhumane services so again that's beautiful and I just love to hear stories of that and to really get a bead on it because that's where we have to keep our focus on is bringing in the new because we certainly are seeing the old paradigm crumble yeah you know it's it's not necessarily a fast transition I mean if you think about it but the fact, but what we've seen, I think, is incredible. Uh, I mean, even how, you know, spirituality has filtered into the West, you know, at around the turn of the century. 
you know, into the into the United States with Yogananda and the Dalai Lama. I mean, these are incredible points of transformation for, I think, the Western consciousness. And I know that there are other yogis that I'm not familiar with or other spiritual teachers. But it, it's, if you think about what's occurred, you know, from the 1900s to, you know, 2019, it's incredible what's happened in the course of only 100 years. You know, I, I think it's amazing that, that this much progress has occurred in this much time. That's a lot of progress in this much time. That's beautiful. And also we could see at the turn of the century, there was, you know, Helen Blavatsky and uh, Think and Grow Rich by that author, a very popular guy. He almost made it mainstream, uh, right? And then yeah. it's like it got quashed. We had two world wars that began to quash it. And then the 60s brought it back. And that got quashed. And right now, I'm going to cry because this is truth to me. And I know this is why we are here. We are not going to let it get quashed again. And I believe this is a movement that is too big to be quashed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think so at this, at this point. There are too many people who are truly living in their spirituality to give up. Right on. You know, I, I know there are. I, I know that I know people. They they can't turn their backs on what they've incarnated for. You know, it's not to say that it's easy. It's not to say that every day is a picnic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's to say that you know. I, I was talking to one of my clients at one point. And she sort of was was talking randomly about uh, her job. And I think it was uh, she was a counselor. And she said, you know, I'm going to die on this hill. You know, and to me what she said, and I clarified this with her, that dying on this hill means that this is where, what she's going to be doing. This is her, her goal. This is her life expression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, since that point in time, you know, I I am quite certain that I'm going to die on this hill of spirituality, you know, on the mountain of spirituality and teaching and uh, sharing my gifts with the world that I can't turn back. You know, I, I have to do what I've been called here to do. It, it's kind of like uh, the difference between a job and a profession. You know, I, I know many doctors, uh, many lawyers, uh, many counselors, and these people, it, it's not a job, but it's its a way of life for them. And so I think that there are too many people that this is a way of life for, for them to turn around and to walk out of the lives that they are creating. Yes. Okay. Very good. And so for those, I do talk with light workers from time to time, that get really tired of being here. And so, again, this inward journey to continue to do it no matter what, to love no matter what, keep the eye on the prize. Do you have anything to add for for those who, the best way for them to pull themselves up and out of a deep despair? 
you know, I, I think that what happens is that a lot of us, you know, are imagine that, that the vision that we have is going to materialize much more quickly than what it does. Right? We we yeah. think that it's just you know, it's a it's a year from now, it's two years from now, it's three years from now. And, you know, all of a sudden it's twenty and thirty years later. Right? And it's it's still yeah. not manifesting <laughs> in the form that we've imagined. And I think that that can be disheartening. And I think what we have to do at that point is reassess. And, you know, either reassess your feelings or or reassess your vision. And because so- something maybe doesn't make sense, does that make sense? It's, it's not uh, It's not working. So then you have to go in and I think it, take stock of what really is happening there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Take an inventory of what's going on. And don't should on yourself, right? Should. <laughs> don't should on yourself and 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 go overboard, right? And or give up. Yeah, you know, I've it's I mean it's been strange because you know, there are certain points in my life where I'm like, you know, really God, this is not happening the way that I thought that it would. And yet, you know, Carolyn Mace does talk about this same thing in some of her lectures where she says, Well, you know, maybe those terms and conditions that you imagine it occurring with, maybe that's what you've added on to it. Maybe that's essentially your projection. I'm paraphrasing her. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do think that that's the case, that sometimes when we have these visions, you know, one of the first things that we do with it is we say, how can we fit this into our lives or how can we make money doing it? And I think that that's not necessarily the way that it's supposed to happen. You know, I, I really do think that when God created the world at large, if that's what you want to call it, God didn't do so. You know, he didn't introduce uh, the U.S. Mint at the same time, right? Because I, I think that really, it's funny, right? But I think that it's true that that God did not create, you know, a hard currency or paper currency. No. Because that's, that's not how we grow and evolve. You know, we grow and evolve through experience, and so money is a human creation that we attach to things. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it's really important to be clear what your motivation is. Because, you know, my, you know, I have had, I, w- I would, I, I'm a very ambitious person in many ways, and I have had, you know, sometimes people have material ambition, and then other people have spiritual ambition. And I've had, a lot of spiritual ambition. And, you know, sometimes in meditation I hear, well, well, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing this for? What is your end goal? Why are you working so hard at this? And then, you know, I'm shown, well, are you doing it for material reasons? Or are you doing it for spiritual reasons? Are you doing it to help people? Or are you doing it to help yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that, that those sorts of conversations can help us get back on track. Mm-hmm. And to perform our service in a way that doesn't have all of the other stuff attached to it that we either think that we need or that we want. Yes, thank you for that reminder. And we talk about that as well. When we talk about living our passion, creating streams of revenue from our passion, it is not because we're doing something for the money. We're actually shifting our energy 
behind it and cultivating from joy and doing what we love. And by doing that and being in that energy, we are inspired. We're shown in meditation or in the shower, aha moments of things that we can do to add a service that allows people to exchange currency as a valuation. But the point is clear that we're doing it for service. And we call that new earth service, if you will, where we're doing it really from a point of being in service, a, a way of helping others and creating to assist the planet to bring in new systems. And our, we've been programmed all our lives to think about how you're going to make money off, over it or off it. So that's mm -hmm. the key point is to really shift that within ourselves. But there's a way that some, um, there's, I also noticed this with, with healers or other light workers and way showers that we tend to undervalue ourselves. So that's a whole nother issue too. But again, it's very interesting, this energy around money, which I prefer to call currency because it flows, it comes yeah. in and it goes. So I'll, but, I'll let you answer to that. Yeah, I think that there that a lot of people, especially in what I'm going to call the the new age uh, industry, if you if you want to call it that, do undervalue their services and their time. And I think it's due in large part to the fact that most people I know don't actually see energy, so they they can't see the value of what they are energetically doing to another with another human being. Does that make sense? Mm. So yes. it's kind of like they, they have a in what they perceive as an intangible good or an intangible service that they're then trying to place a value on, but it's not something that they can see. And it's not something that they know works because they've seen it work in somebody's energy field. Mm -hmm. You know, it, I, I happen to be, I think, blessed in this regard because I can actually watch the transference of energy between a healer and the healee. I can see energy moving through a chakra and restructuring it. I can see energy moving into uh, a chakra even to open it or to move into some aspect of their field to facilitate healing. So for me, you know, what we call energy is actually a tangible good. So I, I do believe that as more and more people become clairvoyant and can actually see the, the, the physical effects of what they do, they will be more clear on placing a value on it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk a little deeper on this. Maybe you can share an example. Um, and I would love for you to interface with those who are listening to our live show and uh, interface with them and read, look into their energy field. So let's talk about your ability to see the human energy field. And you mentioned that you can see what goes on in someone's energy field. And this is related to thought forms, right? So what are you seeing? You, you said you started to see archetypes, like in the upper chakras. Do you see archetypes in an energy field based on someone's thoughts? Uh, you know, there's so there are archetypes in people's fields, and then there are beliefs. So both are 
essentially uh, tangible. You know, I, I primarily work with people at this point by helping them uncover unconscious beliefs and resistances that are, that are in their unconscious. Yeah, and I'll give you an example. You know, people normally come to me because they're, they're trying to achieve some goal or some aspiration, right? And it's not happening very quickly. So, uh, for instance, I was in Florida recently, and I was lecturing to a, a large group. There was about 150 people who were present. And, you know, I, I left some time for a Q&A, and there was a woman who stood up because she had heard me talk about beliefs and how if something in your life is not manifesting quickly, that means that there are negative beliefs that you carry around that specific subject. So this woman stands up and she says, I, I'm right, I want to write a book. And for some reason, I just, it's not happening. And I looked through her energy field and she had a small belief at the rear of her sacral chakra. And so I can, I can definitely see the chakras, the human energy field. There are a lot of complex structures there, uh, including <laughs> those dark patches or masses in the field. But she had a mass uh, at the, and the rear aspect of her sacral center, which is basically just at the top of the butt where that, the little uh, triangle is there. Mm-hmm. And when I accessed it, the belief essentially was, well, I don't want to write this book because I don't want to cast people in a negative light. Okay. So I said to her, well, what I see is that one of the, the main obstacles to writing this book is that you don't want to cast people in a negative light. And she's like, oh, my God, I, I, I don't want to do that. And it is the main concern that I have. So, you know, being able to look at her energy field and to present to her conscious mind, not that, it's, not that it can't be identified, but I think that the magic happens when somebody who doesn't know you is able to look inside of your energy field and say, by the way, this is a belief that is, it's, it's hanging you up and it, it needs to be looked at and addressed. So, again, the belief here is I don't want to write a book that's going to, like a memoir that's going to cast people in a negative light. You know, another one that I hear quite frequently is about relationships. You know, I, I want to find my partner, my life mate. And so, you know, I've received this question a number of times. And if it's, remember, if it's not happening quickly, there's something there that's stopping it from happening. And so there was a client who asked me, well, I really want to find a partner. What's, what's stopping me? And so I looked at her energy field and there was a belief that, uh, essentially, I don't want to be controlled, okay? So it was in the front of her field, near her sacral center and her solar plexus. And I said, well, I see this belief. Here it is. And it says that you don't want to be controlled by another human being. So you see relationships as essentially being controlled. And her face became angry. And she said, yeah, nobody is ever going to control me again. So what happens is that the conscious mind wants relationship and the unconscious mind has made a decision. And the decision is that relationships mean to be controlled and that is something to be avoided. So I tell people, even if Mr. Wright showed up or Mrs. Wright showed up at your door, you're going to slam the door in their face or your unconscious is going to because it doesn't want to be controlled. Do those examples help? 
Yes, absolutely. And it's so fascinating that you are so spot on with those. So there's a couple things that we want to do left in our show. And I do want to have those who would love you to look into their energy field because you do personal sessions with people. You, you've got a personal session where you work with Christ consciousness activations, but also you're able to look in their field. And we want to give examples of that. So I see a bunch of hands going up, but we also wanted to do a meditation. So Christo, I'm going to ask you, would you like to do a five-minute meditation right here, or should we close our show with that? I, I think that it'll be, it'll, would probably make more sense to close the show with that. I think so, too, because you're going to connect us into a, a way that we can continue our show and maybe journal afterwards. Okay, let's go to our phone lines. And if you're listening to our YouTube live stream and you have a question for Christo, please jump on our website at AcousticHealth.com, click on today's show, and join by web call. If you're on a Mac, you will not see the web call option. Sorry about that, but you can certainly ask a question and get in line that way. So we're going to go to Denver, Colorado, last digits of the phone number 8699. Hi, caller. You're unmuted. What's your name, please? My name is Don. Hi, Don. So would you like Christo to look into your energy field? Um. I I would, Ed, but but before I I do want to say thank you very much for hosting this show because it's been a, a tremendous blessing the many times that I've listened to it. So thank you oh, for the work awesome. that you do. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. So I've been going okay, through so- uh, a lot of changes lately, and some of them have been quite unexpected. And uh, quite frankly, right now... Um, I have no idea what the future holds for me, uh, but I am just trying to get an idea of where I need to be focusing on in order to really uh, find my true happiness. Hmm. L- let me take a look at this, okay? Okay. Okay. You know, what shows up in your energy field is the development of your navel chakra. And I think this is really important because, and although this imagery is a little bit difficult to explain, uh, I'd like to explain it uh, as best as I can. The image that I'm getting is of you essentially laying down. And there are these, uh, what I'm going to call pillars or weights that are balancing on your legs, you know, one on each leg, a pillar and weights balancing also on your hands. And then I see things balancing on each of these. And what I understand is that you're, you're basically being pinned down with responsibilities. Does that resonate with you? 
Um, yes, yes, it does. Okay. So what happens is that the conflict here is how can I be myself and simultaneously be pinned down by these responsibilities? And I think that this is, uh, this is something that confronts a lot of us, you know, where we have a desire or drive to have freedom. And it's really interesting to even say that word freedom because uh, I look through the people's energy fields who are tapped into this space, and that is a very important word for them. You know, it's a word, would, I mean, I don't know if there's a way of asking if that's an important word for people, but, but Don, is that an important word for you? Freedom? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Okay. Yes, for me too, it's um, priority, actually. Yeah, so, so this idea that your, your freedom or our freedom is being compromised because of the responsibilities that we feel. And sometimes the thing that we have to focus on is actually bringing ourselves into a state of self-actualization, which, you know, let me provide you with an example. You know, I have the same duties, the same obligations as everybody else. And yet what I have done is I have where I can, and probably I've done, I've done it actually to more than what is reasonably possible. I, I've cut away the things in my life that do not stand in harmony with my goals and objectives. So I've minimized all the things that that have uh, basically compromised my freedom in order to self-actualize my dreams, my goals, my ambitions, so that I could be the person that I imagined that I could be, and that person helps other people. Does that make sense? So, so I, could, I could help a couple people and be responsible to them or to be responsible to myself and help a lot of people. Do you see what I'm driving at with you, Don? Um, well, I'm, I'm, I, I do, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm, I'm not sure how, how that relates to me in, in reference to that example. My sense is that there, that you are a person who freedom is important to. Would you agree? Oh, yes. Okay. Then I also see that you are burdened with responsibilities. Would you agree? Oh, yes. And the responsibilities that you are burdened with do not let you self-actualize. Is that true? Ultimately, yes. So the idea here that self-actualization is related to happiness Right, the freedom to self-actualize is related to happiness. So if we increase our ability to self-actualize through the use of our freedom, we ultimately increase our happiness, that they're related. So I would say that the biggest problem that confronts you right now is that your, self, your freedom to self-actualize is being compromised by being burdened with things that the moderator has left the conference.
Okay, so I had a weird technical glitch. (laughs) And I think that we all got bounced off of this call. And Don's no longer here. So give us a moment, everyone. And we'll have Christo jump back on the call. Because I just got booted. And uh, I believe that Don and... Oh, there's there's Christo. Hi, Christo. Hi, I'm back. I don't know what and, happened. Uh, and I'm back, too. I got booted off. But I was listening okay. to you guys, and then it looks like Don got booted off. <clears throat> so I believe well, I, that me... it was interrupted. <laughs> could, could there I, he is. Hold offer... on. Hold on just a moment. Okay. Hey, Don, you're back. Okay. <laughs> that was really weird. We all got all booted off. Yeah, weird. Okay. Let me also yeah. let, let me offer a meditation to everybody, okay? Because I I think that Don's situation is something that is confronting each of us, and so I want to take a moment for everybody who's here, and to take a moment to find your center. And I want you to begin to think about what it means for you to be self-actualized, what it means to be free to exercise your freedom, to exercise your freedom to self-actualize your person. I want you to sit in that space for a moment. And now, from this space, I want you to look at your life and become aware of the the things that are limiting you, the things in your life that are attached to you, the responsibilities in your life that, in fact, you shouldn't have to be responsible for, that maybe belong to somebody else, that are stopping, that you've assumed responsibility for or that responsibility has been voiced upon you. What is it that is there pinning you down, that is stopping you from self-actualizing. You know, I don't know if there's a way of asking some people, you know, Don, did you see anything? Did you receive any any intuitions, any understandings? Uh, you know, if there's a way of asking, you know, another uh, people, other people, go ahead. Well, I think I, I've, um, I think that uh, perhaps maybe having my spouse take on a bit more financial responsibility uh, than what is currently happening would help. But I think that there's uh, other things. I became very. Uh, one of the things that I clearly saw was about that I should be much more in tune with what it is that God and or the universe is guiding me to and that I want that freedom so that when I get that that directive from on high that I can move forward with doing something like that and not be constricted by the ways of the world, so to speak. I think that even that's a great recognition that – you know, how can I be, how can I receive an answer to my future when 
I'm in a state of warrior conflict, right? Your freedom is being used to not stand in ready receipt of information. It's being used to uphold all of these other structures. So the responsibility, right? So I'm using my freedom to deal with responsibility. I think that that's true. But you're saying that, you know, in terms of finances, your spouse could potentially take on more responsibility and you could use your freedom to receive uh, directives, I'm going to call it directives from God, or insight from the universe. Right. And I think that that would help. Yeah. Yeah, so that ultimately I could actually help other people as well. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm often confronted with this image too. You know, I can help one person. I can help my partner, right? I could I could be an awesome partner and assume responsibility, and you know, do my best to take care of her and make her life easy. Or, you know, I can pursue my passion, and I can use that same energy to help hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. And I think that we're all confronted with this. You know, so I would start looking at what, what you are currently burdened by and whether or not you can, you know, throw it off your ship, you know? I mean, it's interesting. Okay. I, I, meet, I meet so many people who are overwhelmed with responsibility, and they they don't stop to take an assessment of whether or not they're burdened by something that really matters to them, right? There was a guy I asked this question to. He was like, you know, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. I'm like, well, what are you burdened by that you don't need anymore? Oh, oh, well, uh well, I, I'm on a, I'm on the on this board of this organization that takes up a lot of my time, and I really don't like being there anymore. In fact, I sort of inherited this position from my father. You know, it was his position, it was his company, but now I don't really want anything to do with it. But yet, I still go there because I feel obligated. Well, you know, obligation is you know that generally means that your tribe, in some way, has plugged your energy field into some tribal thought form. And now you're burdened by the the tribe's idea of what it means to uh, use your energy in a purposeful way, right? We're now burdened by tribal thought. The obligation is a tribal thought. Does that is that helpful? Yes, yes, it is. I think it's very easy to fall into the tribe mind and to be influenced by um, by the tribe. And for most of us, of course, that is a lot of the energy that is either left over in our lives from uh, mother and father or or whoever, uh, you know, helped us to grow up in this world. Well, I think the problem is that, you know, you, Carolyn Mace uses the term inner stamina. You have to have enough inner stamina, you know, to be able to look at your tribe and say, you know, I don't, I'm trying to find a way of phrasing this that doesn't seem too hostile. It's like you have to be able to look at your tribe and say, this is what I must do for myself because I feel called to do it. I'm not doing it to let you down. I'm not doing it to intentionally harm you. I'm doing it because this is the service that I feel 
drawn to. This is uh, what I feel pulled or inclined to use my freedom for, right? And, and the problem is that your tribe is never going to understand your inner hardwiring. It's never going to understand how you feel compelled to use energy, your drives, your motivations. And because our drives and motivations aren't normally shared by other people, there's nothing that you can say or do to justify your own drives and your own ambitions with other people. So you have to be able to have enough inner stamina to say to somebody else, this is the path that I'm walking for me. Right. Yeah, I think that that you're absolutely right. Yeah, and, you know, again, what I hear you sort of wrestling with is this idea of, you know, if I do this for me, is it is it going to be construed to be malicious? You know, am I going to let people down or, or harm them? And the reality is you're harming yourself and you're letting yourself down, and that's not your first question, right? You right. know, it's kind of sad, right, that, that our first question isn't am I letting myself down or am I harming myself? You know, generally what I've seen with my clients is that the last person on their list is their own person. Right. That's very true. You know, and so if that's how you're using your freedom, right, you're, you're using your freedom to put yourself last. You're using your freedom to support a life that's probably too big for you, actually, or one that doesn't fully resonate with you. Well, is that a good use of your freedom? I don't know. No. It doesn't sound like it's a great use of your freedom, but it's certainly a way that you can choose to use your freedom. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so hopefully that's that's helpful. You know, if if not, uh, you know, at least maybe there's parts of it that are inspirational. Right. Thank you very Any much. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, Lauren. I appreciate you too very much. Thank you, Don. Thank you so much for sharing, and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks for your sharing there. Well, it that meditation was beautiful as well to really connect us into seeing what stops us, and it resonates yeah, I, with I many of us. If it's possible, I mean, I'd love to hear from a couple people, you know, what they saw in terms of the obstacles or their how they're using their freedom or how their freedom or it, how they're being compromised from achieving their goal, if that's possible. Yes, um, let's go ahead and if those want to share, you can share over the Q&A box on our webpage here. Or if you're on the phone, start two will raise your hand and we can unmute you. I see a lot of personal hesitation, sabotage. It's really like fear, fear of going for that dream. And I've actually been working on this um, for a while. So that's really interesting to see how that fear really keeps us back, keeps us from being um, going forward on those dreams. So let's go to another caller. Okay. <clears throat> this is a cell phone caller from Toronto, phone number ending in 5688. Hello, you're Hi, Lauren. Hi. Hi, Crystal. Hi. 
Thanks for taking my call. The reason I'm calling is just to comment on that uh, meditation results. I saw yes. basically a, a blue tarp covering covering myself on whatever. It's like a flat plane and things under it. So I'm not sure exactly what it means, but I mean, symbolic, I can probably guess. But that just wanted to give some feedback to Crystal. Mm. Okay. What's your name, please? It's Derek. 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 Okay. Thank you. Derek, if I may ask, you know, what do you, when you, when I was asking about how would you like to use your freedom, right? Did you have how do I, any? How do you like to what, sir? How, how would you like to use your freedom? You know, what do you want to create in your world? What is your intention to create for yourself? Do you have anything that you're aspiring to right now? Fundamentally, service to, service to others is, as, is a general theme, and I think that probably pertains to me and most of the people on the call. Okay. Do you, do you mind if I look at your energy field and just share something with sure, you? Sure, go ahead. Okay. You know, it, it's interesting, and I see this quite frequently with people, okay? There's a belief uh, near your central channel. Uh, I'm sorry, it's in, in your root chakra, and it's down at the very bottom. It's not a big belief, but I, th I think it's sufficient uh, of size to affect you, okay? Because I'm asking, well, what is a, what is limiting or what is getting in the way of Derek's service to others or performing a service to others? And there's this belief, and we call it belief number one. Belief number one is I just want a quiet space for myself. Do you resonate with that? Yes. Yes. You know, and I point this out because a lot of us have been at this for a while, right? So, so Derek, how long have you been doing this? Yeah, uh, decade. <laughs> a decade. Yeah, it's uh, it's not an easy process either. I mean, it requires a lot of sacrifice. It requires a lot of ingenuity, a lot of thinking, a lot of dedication, a lot of movement. And so, what I find is that under underneath this you know, desire to expand and be of greater service is what I'm going to call a touch of burnout. Do you think that's a, a good, a, an okay term for it, Derek? A I can appreciate what you're saying, yes. Okay. So, you know, in the hub-hub and to-do of life, it's like we, we're all just looking for a quiet space just to heal for a little bit. And I think this is where you know, we need to begin to form connections with our community and have these meaningful exchanges and support systems of, you know, encouragement and support and love and understanding because struggling with the world in the way that we do as servers, it, it taps our energy field. You know, it leaves us, you know, in need of some downtime, some quiet time, it leaves us a little bit burned out, a little exhausted at the end of the day. And that, that exhaustion, that burnout can be sufficient to stop us from really expanding into uh, greater forms of service. Is okay. that helpful, Derek? Um, I can probably appreciate what you're saying, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, can I share something else with you? 
Sure. When we're talking, when we're talking, I feel sadness arise in you. Can you tell me about mm-hmm. that? Do you identify it? I guess there's reason for sadness in my life. Yes. What do you want to share what that is? I mean, I feel it mostly coming up around this particular subject of you know wanting to serve more, uh, also being slightly burned out. Anything that you want to share? Uh, hard to get anything specific, but um, there is sadness there, of, of obviously. You know, I'm looking through your energy field to see if I can locate where it is. And around your navel chakra, you know, there's uh, there's one belief that we'll call this belief number two that basically translates. I, I thought it would be easier. Do you connect with that? Yeah, well, it, it's not been easy, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, and what happens is that I also sense aloneness in your energy field. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are are you also? Would you identify as being alone or lonely? Yes, certainly. Okay. So so here we have three things to consider, right? You know, I just want a quiet space for myself. You know, I've been at this for a while. You know, I'm I, I'm getting tired of swinging. Right? You only go so many rounds with Mike Tyson before you. You want to set it out a little bit. Uh, belief number two around the navel chakra, I thought it'd be easier, you know? And I think that's, you know what, I talked about that a little bit earlier, right? That we get these grand visions, and they're incredible. They're beautiful. They're they're so amazing to feel, to come in contact with. And then we're like, okay, this is this is something that can happen, and it can happen soon. And soon turns into a decade, right? And then... There's the thought that, you know, I, I thought it would be easier. And then, you know, there's the loneliness. And that's why I said, you know, it's about forming community, uh, a, a resource, uh, a group of people who understand you and support you that can essentially feed you and feed your spirit. You know, I, I'm so busy uh, in my life that I sometimes forget to take care of myself. And I have a group of friends who are incredibly supportive, incredibly loving. In fact, they, they get together every Thursday morning and they share healings with one another and they invite me, invite me, and I, my calendar is always full. And I've just decided to block off my calendar beginning today. And, you know, it was just so amazing to go there to be loved, to be received, to be supported. And and I think that it's really important for all of us to find that type of connection in this world and in this work because... It, we, we need something, we need some other people to help birth this thing inside of us, to, to love it with us, to cherish it with us, right? So if we, I look at people as being midwives to the new age, sometimes we need to be midwives to one another and help one another mm-hmm. birth these aspects of self. Well, thank you. That makes me want to cry right there, Christo. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, Derek. Derek, that was amazing, Derek. Yeah, go ahead. Derek, you still there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. 
you know, I, I don't want to leave you just sitting with these negative beliefs, uh, although it's really important to look at them and to integrate them. You know, there's a positive belief that I do see in you that needs, I think, to be nurtured and supported, right? Do you believe, okay. do, do you believe that human beings have an obligation to care for one another? Do you, do you believe that? Have an obligation to care for another. Well, I, I yeah, think it's. Do, do you it's, believe? Um, it's a part maybe of the what, better word. Is, maybe a better word is dharma. You know, our dharma, our duty. You know, our absolutely. Our, tell me about it. I want to hear it in your words. Well, it's it's a matter of uh, loving everyone, accepting what they can, and have compassion for fellow man, and uh, seeing where you can assist people. When, when and wherever when and wherever you can, in whichever way that's that's appropriate at the time. See, that's beautiful. That makes me want to want to cry, because that is that's a message. See, I I look at your energy field. And I'm like, each person is here. I believe to teach something. Derek, this is your message that humanity has a dharma or duty to care for one another, right? And and I think Absolutely. that this is what you – does that make sense? Okay, yes. So this is something that you have conviction around. Would you agree? Yes. This is something that you deeply feel passionate about. I heard it in your voice, but would you agree? Yes. So. To be a teacher, you you have to have conviction. You know, the, the depth of your conviction is equal to your effectiveness as a teacher. Okay? So okay. If, if I could have you teach one thing here right now, it would be this message of dharma or our, our duty to one another. Okay? Because right now, Humanity, it's a, it's a lesson that humanity has not yet mastered. It's a lesson that needs to be uh, broadcast into the collective consciousness. And that's your job. Yes. Do you have any okay. thoughts about that here? I'll, I'll take that under advisement. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get scared now. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. That feels so wonderful, Derek. So be bold, my friend. Be bold. Oh, well, my thank goodness. Thank you so much. Okay. And, you know, I am here to assist anybody who wishes to take their content and put it out in the media, the New Earth Media. I have a Media Production 101 course that is there to assist you in getting any of that information out in digital form, digital content. And so you are a leader in that, Derek. I hope that you play with that and go for it and go form a like-minded community. It's there for you. Well, thank you. Beautiful. Because I believe in you, too. I mean, I, I share that. I think everyone listening, oh, my God, I'm going to cry. We believe there's a duty to 
improve humanity or be in service, help other people help others. So that's beautiful. Absolutely. And I really love, Crystal, how you pegged it. All right, Derek, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Christo, it's so fun to see you in action because, I mean, we've done a, a webinar with you as well, and you are so spot on. It is absolutely amazing. You have a pristine accuracy, and that says a lot. It really you know, does. People, um, you, you know, when, when people see me work, especially in my in-person lectures, they're, they're just normally blown away. They're like, how can you do that and do it so quickly? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, uh, you know, it's yeah. Some I, I did the math on this the other day. Since I became, since my intuition opened, uh, I've seen probably three to five people a day, and that's pretty conservative. Uh, so you know, three to five hours a day spent in in uh, exercising my intuition. If if we use the lower number of three hours, it's something like. 10,700 hours of practice. And if we use the higher number, it's closer to 20,000 hours of practice. And that's otherwise known as an expert, right? The 10,000 hour rule? Expert. Yeah. But but in the beginning, you know, I was, it was incredibly slow. It was incredibly cumbersome. I only got information by sitting with somebody about, you know, either 15 minutes or an hour in meditation. Even then, I wasn't quite sure what was going to come through or how it would come through. You know, now I'm able to look through a person's energy field, look at their chakras, look at their central channel, look at their beliefs, look at their archetypes, and all very quickly. So, yes. but it's, it's, it's due to the number of hours I've had to practice. And for those of you who have an interest in developing your intuition, there's only there's one thing that you need to do, and that is practice, 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 and practice with people who can provide you with feedback. Mhm. Beautiful. Practice, practice, practice. And again, a call for all of us to begin forming our new Earth communities, like-minded support, where we're not freaks. <laughs> Or people don't roll their eyes at us. They actually get us. That's that's like one of my passions is that's all I want to talk about, stuff like this. And so um, when we find others that we can do that with, it's beautiful. All right. Well, we are almost out of time here, Christo. I want to... I just want to give you a moment. Maybe we have time for one more, but I don't know because it's up to you. It does go so deep, but it is quick. Um, Let's talk real quick about the special offer that you have. You have a way for people to take your training. You do a webinar. You also have a personal session. You have Mm -hmm. a webinar and a personal session together. And then you've got an e-book of your latest book, which we didn't even have time to talk about. So please share more on your special offer because this really helps people do some laser-like inner work on themselves with your support. Yeah. You know, with the with the, the e-book, uh, I spent about a year and a half writing it. And it's a, it's a book on the menorah as a symbol of the human energy field. You know, in short, my ability to 
see into the human energy field also gives me the ability to know things spontaneously. And so one of one day I was looking at an image of the menorah and I got very clear insight or a download around its symbology. And it's a symbol of the human energy field. And in fact, it's it's probably one of the most complex and one of the most beautiful symbols of the human energy field that I have ever seen. And that's what compelled me to write a book about it. You know, the, the book actually is really beautifully illustrated. I have a an incredible graphic designer that I worked with to get the pictures done. I also handcrafted some plasticine models of the chakras, which I think are really beautiful. So, you know, overall, it's it's incredibly educational, especially for people who have an interest in understanding the chakras, the chakra development, and also advanced mm-hmm. stages of development of the chakras. So you know, people can actually uh, go in. I, I've made the plates from the book actually available for view. And so yeah, I'm looking here. I had it up. While you're getting that, I just want to mention on your special offer page, scroll down to the very bottom, and that ebook is available for eight eighty-eight on its own as a separate download. Again, that's on the special offer page at the bottom. So go ahead, Christo. You're talking about some of the images. Yeah, there's uh, you know people who have an interest in looking at the images can go to. Uh, christobowers.com forward slash the menorah plates and so www.christobowers.com forward slash the menorah plates and you'll need the password uh, that I'm about to give you which is uh, CLB CLB as in Christo Leroy Bowers TM P, all caps, and that's the menorah plate. So CLB, TMP. And you can view all of the illustrations from the book, uh, and this will help you understand some of the other content in the book. Uh, but I, I really, I mean, to me, this book is a is a work of art, and I want it to be something that people could really visually engage at a, at a very deep level. Okay. Uh, Beautiful. I mean, this is you, 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 you brought this in from on high. This was a download. Yeah. You know, it, it really, it was a download and I spent time, you know, really a lot of time writing the book about the symbology of the menorah. So I was able to research the menorah from an uh, exoteric perspective and then help answer some of the, the, the points that have been debated around the menorah for a, a few thousand years. So, you know, it's sort of like a historical work, a contemporary work, and also an, an energetic look at the menorah as a symbol of the human energy field, which represents an advanced stage of development of the human energy field. So it, it's really, I, I think it's a really an impressive work for as for for the time that I invested in it. I mean, it's, I think it's really beautiful. I'm really happy with the book. So Congratulations. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the images right there are wonderful. So to get the complete ebook that is with the verbiage and the text, that is available at a nice discount 
on the special offer page as well. Again, it's normally 15 and you're offering it for 888, which I love those numbers and um, great information for those to learn more about the human energy field. Okay, beautiful. So tell us more about the webinar and a personal session. Uh, pulling it back up. So offer two is a, the private session. And uh, let's see, first of our special offer personal session. So, so basically, most people who come to me, they they come to me because they want to work through something that has been uh, that that's not come into manifestation quickly, or they work with, or they want to work with me on patterns. Uh, in fact, I mean, I've worked with everything from uh, why people don't are not able to manifest the relationship that they want to and helping people answer the question why their practice is not growing. You know, and it's really about digging out the unconscious beliefs that stand in the way of manifesting their dreams. So this is this is what I do every day. And, you know, I've been told over the course of 10 years that I'm really good at it. And, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, imagine somebody can look at your energy field and uncover your unconscious resistances. And plus, you know, it's not just one resistance. It's usually a complex of resistances. So there there are negative beliefs that stand in the way of fulfilling our destiny or fulfilling our relationship needs or fulfilling the development of our business. And it's really incredibly transformative to have all the information essentially dropped into your consciousness for you to be able to look at and examine the challenge now at a conscious level. So this is essentially what I offer in my personal session. Bring me the thing that you've been wanting to manifest that's not manifesting and let's let's help it incarnate. And again, that's what I do every day in my practice. Every day, every day. And, and I love it. Because mm-hmm. You know, so many people have written back to me. You know, there was one woman I worked with. She said, she approached me. She said, you know, I really want to uh, write some manuals for these classes that I am delivering. And so I helped her identify the unconscious blockages. And, you know, she phoned me back eventually. I attribute my success with writing these to you. You know, and I'm like, you know, that's really such high praise, you know, but she said, because your help, you were able to help me identify and release the unconscious beliefs, I was able to write these. And so people call me back all the time and thank me for helping them identify and work through their unconscious beliefs. That is so beautiful. You are an accelerator of dropping the baggage and really going through it as we saw today because your ability to pinpoint it so clearly, quickly, and accurately, it's very helpful. And that awareness is profound in how it immediately changes our lives. So I think it's fascinating. And even in the time that I've spent with you, even in my own you did something for me where you helped me. That was profound in its own sense. So you really are spectacular, and I really appreciate that. So for those who wish to really 
make this great progress to bring anything that you wish to manifest to Christo. He can help you see what is blocking you. This is beautiful when we are working on bringing forward those dreams, bringing forward our mission, giving ourselves permission to live our mission. This will help us in activating something within ourselves because we're releasing the baggage that is holding us back, the thought forms, the, the archetypal forms that really don't need to be there. And so I love that, Christo. I am bowing to you in honor of this work that you do. It is wonderful, and it really is making a difference because I, I envision New Earth, and anyone who listens to a show like this, to this show or anything like it, is a New Earth leader. And it is time to mobilize for New Earth. So all of these tools that are here to assist us, it is simply here to really put us directly on our path. Christo's offer is available at AcousticHealth.com forward slash special offers forward slash Christ consciousness. Christo, thank you so much for this time today. That meditation again, I hope people go back and listen to that or just remember what that felt like to come into our center and to take a look at our energy and what is withholding us because we simply need to be aware of it to help ourselves release from it. Is that right? Would you say that's um, 80% of the work, the awareness? Yeah. I, I mean, what, what I see happening, and this is, a, I think, one of my best examples, there, there was a woman who came to me because one of the things that she was dealing with was uh, an obsessive compulsive disorder to weigh herself. So uh -huh. she, she, she was weighing herself something like 20 times a day. And she was not overweight at all, but she just continually weighing herself. Uh, I helped her identify the unconscious motivations or the beliefs that existed around it. And she was like, well, I, I know all these things. You know, I, I, yeah, I haven't put them together in this particular way, but they are things that I play, think about periodically. I'm like, well, just go home and listen to the audio file and think about them and your relationship to what you're doing. And, you know, she wasn't convinced. She was actually kind of angry that I would have the audacity to send her out with such a simple task. But then I told her, you know, call me back if it didn't work, right, and let me know because I'm here for anybody who works with me. And so she called me back about two weeks later, and she said, you know what, you were right. I, I don't know how it happened or why it happened, but I no longer feel compelled to do that. So, you know, the, the awareness essentially breaks down the belief. Mm -hmm. We don't know how, we don't have to know how, right? <laughs> but it just, it's, see you later. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, I look at it this way. It's kind of like each belief is like a bucket of water, right, with a lid on it, right? Uh, as long as the lid is on, the water remains inside and intact. But if you take the lid off, right, it's like now that now that water is exposed to the outside environment. So consciousness is like sunlight, which now is ex exposed to the water because the lid has been removed and it evaporates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. That's a beautiful metaphor. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you, Christo Bowers, for your dedication, your commitment, and your service. It is really spectacular. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we say goodbye, I just want to give you a moment to close our sacred circle. Mm-hmm. You know, my my sense is this. Remember who you are and remember the purpose that you came in for. You know, if you don't have, a, I mean, most people, I think, have memories or experiences of of having what I call, a, I call it a birth vision. You know, remember your birth vision. Remember your inspiration. You know, the, that, the way for that to be birthed in the world has been opened for you. And, and I know that it's, that the, that the path is even opening under your feet as we speak right now. So remember your birth vision and believe in it. You know, I thank everyone for joining us. Varan, I thank you for offering me this space. You know, I love your show. I love what you're doing in the world. You know, thank you for being a light and thank you for being of service. Oh, thank you. It is the most important thing that I can think of doing in my desire to be of service. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Christo Bowers, for this enlightening quantum conversation. It truly helps people remember the birth vision, and we will believe in it. Thank you, Christo. And thank you for your special offer. Again, take up this beautiful offer from Christo Bowers, a personal session, great information, Christ Consciousness Activation in the webinar, or his book, which is available as well. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And remember your birth vision and believe in it. Thank you. So now it is time to dance our way to the cosmic heart. And we'll be gentle and quiet as we remember our birth vision.